In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and I'd like to thank all my listeners for their loyalty because we are approaching our second year anniversary. And we do have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. Welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. In these series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you'd like to hear about. I'd love to get a mail from you. And if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless of your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or for yourself. Now, on to what we're going to talk about today. And actually, it's one of my favorite discussion subjects. We're going to talk about startups. Now, we used to think of startups as primarily high-tech, innovative companies. And when we thought about location, we thought about Silicon Valley. But that has changed. First, startups have gone global. In the high-tech world, we see startup ecosystems from Shanghai to Beijing, from London to Stockholm, and from Toronto to Tel Aviv, and a number of other cities across the world. And it's also expanding in U.S. cities and hubs all over the United States. In Harvard's review report, Rise of the Global Startup City, they have documented the global state of startups and venture capital worldwide, and they analyzed more than 100,000 venture deals across 300 global metro areas spanning 60 countries. And they looked at the years from 2005 to 2000. And 15 to 2017. What they discovered was four transformative shifts in startups and venture capital. First, expansion. Large increase in the volume of venture deals and capital invested. Second, globalization, as I just said. Venture capital across the world, popping up in cities we never even thought about urbanization and the concentration of these startups and venture capital investment has been in cities and predominantly large globally connected cities and what they called kind of a winner-take-all pattern that leading silly cities, the most connected, the most global, were pulling away from the rest. Now, this is what Harvard found. But That's about startups and the trends they found. They were primarily looking at larger tech startups, but trends are also local. New local businesses are popping up all over the world. With the changing work dynamics and infrastructure, such as the virtual office, with the changing aging workforce, local businesses are being started by baby boomers who have retired. They're being started by women who want a balanced work and family, better life, 
And they're also being started by the late millennials and the new generation Z. And these guys are starting businesses without even gaining what we might consider a normal work experience. They're just jumping into entrepreneurship. So the growth of startups is really changing and is rapidly growing. But the sad part about this is that statistics continue to show that 50% of small businesses only survive the first four years. And when you go into the venture capital world, it looks even bleaker that only, I think this is a big number, 25% make it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Our guest today has been involved in startups, has experienced both successful and not successful startups, and he's an expert at helping startups not make the common mistakes that can lead to failure. Now, Brian Ray is an entrepreneur and a strategist with a background in software design and development. He's been an executive member of venture-backed startups and has been part of successful startups and also ones that crashed. He believes there are lessons to be learned in both success and failure, and Brian brings those lessons and years of experience to each and every one of his projects. With years of experiences navigating the competing priorities of engineering, product, sales, and customer support, he helps startups build products, helps them find their customers, and helps them be successful. Brian's engagements include product Popcorn Podcasts, Develop Ops Days, Denver Startup Week, Lecture at Refactor U, a guest at Canopy Accelerator, Boulder Startup Week, and he's presented and talked at many conferences, including Medical Technology UX Group. So thanks, Brian, for taking the time to come talk to us about this, this exciting subject. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay. So let, let's just kind of start out a little on the basic. We know that many startups fail. Um, and one of the number one reasons that we read about is, is they're not meeting a market need. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, so you're, you're right. You know, most, most startups do fail that that 25 percent number i i agree with you i think that that's quite high um i think i think the success rate is is much smaller than that and, and yeah. they startups do tend to fail because there's no demand for what it is that they intend to supply and so that's just you know 101 and sometimes you know that, that's not necessarily a a bad it's not necessarily a bad thing over the long term um, because, you know, some of that comes from like entrepreneurial confidence, you know, that that can sometimes pay off that you have this crazy belief that I'm going to build and launch something that the world has never seen before. Um, and, uh, and and when it's successful, it's going to change the world. Well, the vast majority of the time that fails. Uh, but um, once, you know, something sounds crazy uh, until you prove that it can be done, then the upsides are, are can, can be quite tremendous. Um, and so I, I think that there's I think that there's a balance to be you know to be struck if struck if you want to start a startup if you're an entrepreneur uh, you have to decide you know where on that spectrum of risk to certainty you're comfortable living if if you're too if you are too risk averse and the idea that 50% of small businesses are going to fail and some 90 something percent of even venture backed startups are going to fail if you are too risk averse for that number to to resonate at all then you you probably won't ever start however if you are overly risky and you say yeah i know 90% of these things fail but i'm different and you just you know go for it you know pedal to the metal um, the likelihood is that you're going to miss some signals along the way and so being overly risky you're you're more likely to fail. Um, so I, I think that there's you know the entrepreneur has to know themselves first and understand where on this spectrum of certainty to risk are we going to try to land and and let that you know let that guide your your overarching strategy. You know that that's interesting and and I I was thinking of a question when you were saying that. Um, 
and you're talking about the idea. You said, you know, oh, I have this greatest idea and it's going to be wonderful. Okay. Um, right. is, is, is that happening more now? Because there seems to be a shift with a lot of people wanting to entrepreneurs. Do you think, do you think the, the wish to be an entrepreneur is coming before the idea now a little bit more in trends? Uh, it, it feels that way. I mean, I, I don't have any, you know, don't have any hard yeah. data to back this up, but but it feels that way. And I think it's it's also true that the barriers to entry have just come so far down in terms of being able to start up a business. You can go to, you know, give Stripe Atlas five hundred bucks, and all of a sudden you're a Delaware C Corp with with legal documents. Those yeah. are great things. That is really really good. Um, however, in the same way that when you know when when Print Shop was you know released on the Apple IIe back in the mid '80s, and it meant that anyone and everyone could design their own brochure, um, that didn't actually improve the design of those brochures. It just meant that there were more cruddy ones out there in the world. <laughs> and so it's a great thing that print shop, that the Apple IIe was invented. It is an amazing thing that it is easier than ever to start a business. It's just by definition also going to mean that there are are more examples of ones that probably ought to have been better fleshed out before, mm-hmm. you know, being launched. So, so let's talk about that fleshing out. So, you know, there's a lot of ideas on this market. So how, how do, does somebody say, okay, you know, this idea is going to make it. I mean, what about the research? What do they have to do instead of just launching it? Because that seems yeah. to be a big mistake that a lot of startups make. Yeah, for sure. I, so, so it is it is great if you if you are struck with ooh, this idea would work. I think I should build it, or I I want to build a business around this. Fantastic. So start doing some customer research. Um, and it, it'll kind of, you know, it'll vary depending upon, you know, what you think your current offering is going to be. But if you if you have this idea, try to sell it to a couple of folks before you build anything. Um, certainly before you start building software or start trying to, you know, <laughs> uh, get something <laughs> manufactured overseas. Um, see if you can get, collect a couple of uh, customers' credit cards um, to, to validate uh, that, that your idea is worth exchanging for exchanging for money. And, and when you're finding, so you're trying to validate this idea and uh, you know, are there a lot of new ideas out there or they're just kind of changed ideas i mean that's what you know uh, you know how how do you f- define that need and i guess my question is you know i hear people say you know oh i've got this and i'm going to do this and there's a lot of competition out there okay um so you need to validate the idea is good but you also have to validate that it can swim in that market how do you do that yeah that's that's a really great question and i heard you talk about uh market need in there and so for the for the entrepreneur, for somebody who's starting their own their new business, it's going to vary depending upon if you're trying to refine your own current offering to an established group of, of users, or if you're entering an established market uh, with a, with your own offering that you think is going to be better on some number of of dimensions. And so, if you're if you're trying to enter an established market, then uh, the thing that you absolutely do not want to do in terms of validation is to to look at the feature list of your competitors and say, oh well, you know mm-hmm. these things must be what the market needs. These are the table stakes. Let's let's go and build this first. That that is a mistake um, because from the outside you cannot understand why those things were built in the first place. It's impossible for you to know which of those features are offering real value to profitable customers and which and which of those features those very businesses regret ever building, you know? And so so don't 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 start there. Do some work and find a dozen or so customers for your new product and understand mm-hmm their workflow and what you think it is that you can improve upon. So if you've seen one little snippet and you've got this idea, oh, I'm, I'm going to build this, that's great. Get a handful of folks, get a, get a dozen or so, and just observe uh, their their workflow and understand why they're hiring this current solution in the first place. And so this is like, that. that's jobs to be done thinking in terms of rethinking how to see your market and the market's needs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. I'd like to, we're going to take a short break in a minute and um, I'd like to come back and talk about that. And I want to talk about trialing. Okay. Because cool. I, I don't think that's one of the things people don't do enough um, on trialing. 
Um, but we're going to take a short break, Brian. And for our listeners, we are talking to Brian Ray. He's an entrepreneur and strategist with a background in software design and development. He's been an executive member of venture-backed startups and has been a part of a lot of startups that have both been successful and have crashed. And he believes there's lessons to be learned. And that's what we're talking about. You know, how, how do you make sure you don't fall on that trap and be one of those you know, that crash. But on the other hand, we know that a lot do. So let's try to find the ways to make it successful. So if you'd like to reach out to Brian, you can reach out to him at brianray.com. And I'll spell that. It is R-H-E-A. So brianray.com. He's also on Twitter under B-R or B-Ray. And he's also on LinkedIn under Brian Ray. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions on leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group, Leadership Beyond Borders, or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. I'm also available at CINDA, the Search and Information Industry Association of Europe. And CINDA also has a startup accelerator that helps bring startups in front of possible events investors. And for that, you can go to the website www.cinda.com. And Cinda is actually having a startup accelerator at their conference in London from April 12th to 10th, 10th to 12th in London at the Hilton Paddington. So for information on that, go to cinda.com. And with that, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Brian, I want to talk about trials, execution, and operations. Okay. And that, we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we're talking about startups. And today we're talking to Brian Ray, and he's an entrepreneur and strategist with a background in software design and development. And he's an ex- an expert on startups and helping startups succeed. Now, Brian, we, before the break, we kind of just talked generally on getting these ideas because everybody has great ideas, okay? And um, and bringing them to, to market. So just let's talk a little bit about testing that again. I mean, how do I test it? There's there's different kinds of products. There might be technical products. There might be, you know, um, a bake shop on the corner, uh, starting a, a small startup locally. Um, 
is there any kind of cookie cutter model for for <laughs> trying to find out if the market can you know wants your product or the customers who wants your product? Well, yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, I don't know that there's necessarily a a cookie cutter cookie formula cutter. to follow, but but there are definitely best practices. Uh, that, that we could follow, right? And and the fir- the first thing is if you you know kind of run the thought experiment of okay, let's say that this thing that I've envisioned, um, I I magically have it built, and I wake up tomorrow morning and it's done. Um, well, who who am I going to go sell that to, or who who are my first customers? And so um, that's that's a helpful exercise because those people that you just imagined, that's who you should go talk to before you start building anything. Um, and so get some feedback from them, and and once once you have you know built the first version, to to start about this trialing process that you're talking about, or you know a, a closed beta. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a closed beta group, and you know, in, in the in the same exact way that if, if you've got a huge, if you're having a big big dinner party on Saturday, um, and you have an idea for dessert, it's pretty common practice that folks are going to make that dessert beforehand and then feed it to the family and say, hey, what do you think? You know, it's 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 the exact same, it's the exact same, uh, you know, idea. And so having a closed beta group that you know you've you've reached out to them, you know. Um, on a you know one-on-one basis, or you've you've found your way into a community, you know, invite them into a a private Slack channel, or you know, put them on your put them on a newsletter um, that that you're able to you know to to share updates and and get feedback, um, and and run some iterations on that before you're ready to ready to go for the big launch or for the the big dinner party, as it were. And and actually, I love that analogy. That's great. Okay. Um, yeah, I've fed a lot of things to my family that they don't go through this. Honestly, okay. Um, so so you you're going through this. You you you've got, you've got this kind of maybe a closed beta um, testing group. How much data do you need? Okay. I mean, we're talking about a group that's five customers. Is that enough? Is it? Yeah. Is it a hundred? You know, how much data do you need? Yeah, that's this is a great question, and it's one that I get a lot. Um, and similar to what I what I just said, unfortunately, there's not you know this this formula that you can punch everything in to say, okay, I've got the certainty that I need to move forward. However, um, one data point is better than none. Uh, two two is better than one. And but at some point you do you know diminishing returns kick in, and and you're now wasting your time. Um, but uh, so Jacob Nielsen, who's like. Jacob Nielsen's a partner at Nielsen Norman, like the elite research firm. And he has encouraging news for for startups and entrepreneurs because he will say, or has said, elaborate usability tests are a waste of resources. And so his his suggestion is to do three iterative studies with five users rather than one elaborate study with 15 users. And so in terms of your question of how much data do you need, I think what's encouraging from somebody like Jacob Nielsen you know, say, saying that is that that tells us that we need enough to act um, which is a small number, you know, five mm-hmm. five users, feedback from five people, that is enough to act, but only if we're ready to follow, you know, the rest of his advice was, be sure you're ready to do that three times. And then, by the way, once that batch of three studies are done, you need to do the exact same thing again, which is another batch of three studies with five users. And so, you know, it's it's continual, um, but that's that's the short answer. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, that that's a good answer. I didn't I didn't hear him say that. That's a, that's super. I probably didn't read it. Okay, but um, I just want to you know. So you get this data. Okay, I have a, and I have a burning question because I've seen I've seen this with some of the startups that that I've worked with. Okay, get this data, and then I've seen people ignore the data. Have you ever mm-hmm. had this? Okay, yeah, that's so funny. so what I mean. That is that this hole they're trapping in. What what do you tell people when you're when you're helping them uh, about the data and ignoring well, the data? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's a funny thing too. When when uh, somebody insists that we need to collect some data so that we know how to move forward, and then it it conflicts with their their opinion beforehand. Um, <laughs> there's there's a great quote that is uh, uh, it's torture the data and it'll tell you anything, um, <laughs> and, and that that speaks to this idea that oftentimes people want the results of their their research to just confirm their their biases already, um, and so you know the 
the, 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 the advice that I give them is, you know, this, this is what the research is telling us to do. Uh, now, ultimately, this is your business that you, you, you know, you own this thing. And so if you insist on going this direction, uh, we can, however, you're doing that in the face of this feedback. The other side of that coin, though, is, look, if, if you're choosing to ignore some quantitative data because you have valid qualitative feedback from customer interviews, um, and you're early enough that that qualitative feedback might represent a legitimate, you know, market direction, that has that has some legitimacy to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you really could make make that argument. Um, but I, you know, the scenario that that you and I are talking about that we've both observed plenty yeah. of times is the entrepreneur who insists, in spite of the data, to go their own direction and and. You know, that's yeah. that is very that's, likely to lead to failure. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that quite a few times. So let, let's kind of move on in this, all right? Because I'd like to just go through the whole process for you. So we get this data and we've got our idea validated, okay? Now, during this trial, how do you test the market value? How do you test the pricing with with this trial? So you've, you've the idea is great, okay? Yeah. Um, we're going to bring it to market. Um, do you have any best practices on pricing? Man, pr- pricing is itself this, and, and most especially in SaaS software, pricing is such an area of expertise in and of itself. I would recommend everybody to to check out Patrick Campbell of Price Intelligently and and look at the work that that he does there um, as as a bit of a you know a benchmark. Um, you know, industry margins in, in software, you know, can get up to 80 and 90%, which is, um, you know, one of the massive benefits of, of building a scalable software business. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you are able, and this can be so difficult to even ballpark early on, but if you are able to calculate, you know, what, what is a customer actually going to cost me in terms of bandwidth, storage, memory, et cetera, um, and then you know stretch that out to a, to an eighty percent margin and and start from there at your lower tier. That can be helpful. Um, you know another benchmark that I see uh, uh, you know folks follow quite a bit is the idea of having you know three tiers where um, you know if you know you start off at, at tier one and then you double that price for tier two and add you know five x in values and, and and features and then double that price and add another, you know, three to five X in features that that's kind of, you know, a way that you can begin to, to position your, your offering there. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it is such a, it is such a contextual decision pricing um, that it's, it's hard to give a, a blanket answer beyond those couple of, of standard benchmarks. Mm-hmm. And, and on, on pricing, there's, you know, I want to come back to what you said before about, one thing not to do with the ideas is don't don't go checking off the features. And I thought that was a really good point of what somebody else might have because you don't know why they had it and you don't even know if the customers are using it. So don't yep. copy the competition. Yep. Does that kind of apply to pricing also, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that I think it can most especially if you're you know, if you're doing a, a good job of of positioning yourself um, you know, in, in a way that's it's differentiated, and you've got a unique value proposition. Well, um, you know, you you can you should be pricing off of value anyway. Um, so even when I said earlier that you know, is there a way that you can determine what the cost, what what a customer is going to cost you, uh, and then arrive at an eighty percent margin off of that? Well, shoot, I mean, if you can get mm-hmm. to a thousand percent, then then that that's even better. And so you, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, don't don't you know, mirror your competition's prices. Don't even necessarily anchor off of it um, by default. Um, you obviously have to be aware of it. You know, the uh, market market mm-hmm. conditions are a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but you know, it's it's certainly something to be aware of, uh, but not to copy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, no, I, I, a lot of people just say, okay, so you know, this costs 120 US dollars or 130 euros, and then <laughs> that's what my competition has. So let me do that. And that, that can be a big downfall too. Yeah. So yeah, it can. Yeah. yeah. So Brian, so now we, we've, we've got the product, we've got the, all this stuff and now we're ready to, to really go to market when we know how much, you know, we've come up with a prize and operationally, the next thing is kind of sales messaging. Um, 
And what I've seen is that a lot of times the sales messaging is is about the product and not the customer need. So what's yes. your experience? What's your experience in that area? Yeah, you yeah you you nail it. Yeah. Um, and it's isn't it funny too that 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 is a message that that we hear so frequently is to talk about and think about benefits and not features, and yet. Uh, that that practice just that it, it seems to persist. Um, one thing that I find to be extremely extremely helpful is you know we've we've been talking about the 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 benefits of doing customer interviews along the way to you know uncover their needs and help to define you know what what ought your product you know what what should it do in the first place. Um, but another great uh, thing that you ought that you can be collecting throughout that entire process is this great resource of the customer's needs in their own words. And so, you know, when you, when it comes time to build the the marketing landing page or to start doing sales outreach, you, you have the actual copy <laughs> ready, mm-hmm. ready to go in the form of those transcripts. And so this is something that uh, companies like Intercom have done um, extremely well, which is just to reflect their customer's own language back to them. Uh, in sales and marketing, um, and it's it's something that I've I, I do with my my clients as well. Um, we we definitely transcribe and keep um, you know the artifacts of those of those interviews. It is not just an intellectual study to to get us into a direction that you know we're we're building an asset there. Mm-hmm. And, and that that's good using those customers' words because if you know I know as a customer if I get really excited about a product, then I just get really excited about the product and yeah. then you know leave leave things. And and when when should you start that phase? I mean, uh, I'm I've worked for companies where we've sold stuff that was not finished. Okay, I'm going to say yes. that right here on the air. Yeah. Okay, you know yeah. what I mean? So okay, I know. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to say what, but we did. <laughs> When do you, when do you, when do you, um, you know, when, when should you really start that process? Yeah, there's an interesting, a really interesting trend, um, most especially like in the early stage startup world, which is this idea of building in public. And so where, where people are um, sharing uh, the development process publicly along the way in order to build up that audience. And so that by the time they they are ready to launch, the, the audience has been following along with the makers. They feel emotionally invested in the product um, and they've been sharing it with people along the way. And and you have this sense of knowing, um, you know, knowing the people who are building it. Uh, that, that works, I think, really well when there is not some established brand equity at stake. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. um, it would be much different for an established company um, to to do that along the way, and so I, I think that it has to depend there. You know, your your question of when should you start marketing? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have if you have brand equity at stake and there's a different property that could be harmed by a failed launch, um, then you probably shouldn't start marketing until you are very certain uh, of the deliverable. When there's less at stake, start right away. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, Brian, we're going to take another break, and um, when we come back, I want to I want to go into kind of a little bit about the people aspect of the whole thing because a lot of startups also fail because they don't have the right teams or they don't have the right guidance or they don't have the right roadmap. And I'd like to, to explore that a little bit with you when we get back after our break. So for our listeners, we're talking with Brian Ray, and that's R-H-E-A. And he's an entrepreneur and strategist with a background of software design and development. And he's been an executive member of venture-backed startups, some of them who have been successful and some of them who have not. So therefore, he's learned lessons, and that's what he's talking to us about today, on how to minimize those risks and how to help you succeed in startups. And he can be reached under his website at R. H-E-A.com on social media under B Ray on that's on Twitter and on LinkedIn under Brian Ray. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, business expert, and you can contact me with questions and comments at leadership beyond borders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group, Leadership Beyond Borders, or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.com. 
I can also be reached through CINDA, the Search and Information Industry Association of Europe. And CINDA does have a startup accelerator that helps bring startups in front of possible invest- investors. And you can go to our website at www.cinda.com. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business station. And I am Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about startups and how to have a successful startup. And we're talking with Brian Ray. He's an entrepreneur and strategist with a background in software design and development. And he's been an executive member of venture-backed startups, both successful ones and not successful ones. And he's learned a lot of lessons and he helps companies be successful. And that's what we're talking about today. So, so Brian, just to, to come back before the break, we, we kind of went into the operations. All right. And um, we kind of went from the idea to the market launch. So, how important is this roadmap? I mean, I've I've been in startups where I say, so, you know, when are you going to launch? What's the dates? Do you have a roadmap? And they say, we have what? You know, how how important is this roadmap for them to have? Oh yeah, I, I think it's I think it's completely vital. Um, I mean, the you know the specificity of it can can vary, um, but having having a plan um at least so that you've got some directionality to to refer back to is uh, is is every bit as important as having an a you know at least some idea of an itinerary when you want to go on a vacation or or a trip um and this this applies to you know a, a high tech software startup and, and it it applies to opening up a new donut shop you know you've got to have you know some plan uh, of of where you're headed so that you can you can check in along the way. And on this plan, how do you prioritize? Because I've seen people, you know, spending time on on stuff that maybe isn't moving the business forward. I mean, yeah. Any tips on best practices on prioritizing? Yeah. So you you've got to weigh the or balance the the time to delivery with the potential impact on your customer base and so there's you know there's a bit of an an art here um there's also there's also some science there are some you know measurements within you know agile that will you know 
will pr- provide some guidance and, and, and claim to be able to measure that. But I think that there's just, there's an art uh, to it that has to, has to do with knowing your business um, and knowing your customers and having a sense of, you know, if, if I spend, you know, two hours doing this and it's going to have a positive impact for 80% of my customers. And I can say that with some certainty because I know I, I understand both my business and my customers. Well, then that's a, that's a big payoff. Um, and so that's that's the the piece of it that that I've found most helpful, um, which and, and that just simply cannot be done well without knowing who your customers are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's also isn't it also about on this you know on this prioritization of things is spending some time that actually mo- moves the needle. I mean, I remember a startup I was working with who was doing an app, okay. And the features were great, but they spent so much t- time on the color, you know, oh, and I'm just yeah. thinking, I'm, I'm like going, what is, you know, that is, doesn't matter. And yep. I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell it was like blue, blue number three to blue number four to blue number five. Okay. Maybe it has yep. something to do with seeing it better, but do you find people, you know, how do you tell them spend time? You know, where do you spend that time? Yeah, you know? there, there's no, there's in, 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 um, in software development, there's even a term for this called bike shedding, which okay. is the idea that you know people just get into an argument about the color of a bike shed, and and it doesn't matter. We we just need a shed, and um and yeah, pe- people just I I'm even guilty of this, and I you know call people call people out on it, which is you know just the there's this emotional sense towards wanting to focus on the things that seem um, obvious, you know, to you or um, as as opposed to uh, you know f- focusing on the things that matter to the business and matter to matter to your customers. Yeah. Okay. And and when you're putting this all together, so you have the roadmap, you have everything, you have the idea, but doesn't it all come down to people? I mean, how you know I've seen many you know not do well because of the teams. So what's yes. your experience there? How do you find oh. the right people? How do you find the right team? Yeah, it is it's <laughs> it is so so hard and it feels like catching lightning in a bottle. I mean, I was um a part of a part of this uh startup team that, you know, we we I mean, we were a small team. We had, you know, 12 people um or so and we functioned like a company of 50. I mean, we, everything just fired on all cylinders. Everybody fits so perfectly into their roles. We all trusted one another. You you know, we had just the right amount of, you know, of levity and seriousness and, and great energy from the, you know, from, from the CEO. Um, and it, it was phenomenal. Um, and then I've, you know, I've been a part of a, of a leadership uh, team that, that just completely, you know, uh, destroyed the startup mm-hmm. um, because we 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 were not drawing out one another's best, um, and you know it it it's it's very very hard to overcome that. Mm-hmm. And so you know what what I'm not sure what else there you know what what advice I can give beyond um, yes you need to know you need to identify that very early on mm-hmm. um, establishing a leadership team um, and hiring employees is absolutely vital to the, you know, to the business. It, it should be looked at as, a, you know, as a marriage um, mm-hmm. because it really does function that way. And then when you start bringing employees on, um, you know, a good, you know, like a, an, an axiom that I always keep in mind is that, um, d- you know, try not to hire B players. A, a mm-hmm. players, A players will not hire B players, but mm-hmm. B players will hire C players. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you start, you know, start in that direction of decay, you know, once, once you yep. allow for that. So, yeah. How, how important do you think sometimes you need like a third uh, party objective? And I, I mean, of course, if you're having venture capital, you mm-hmm. might have that because they're yeah. investing the money. Um, but if you're not and you have your own capital, do you think a third party um, objective opinion is sometimes valuable? Yeah, that can. I mean, that can maybe be helpful for like networking um, mm-hmm. or or getting, you know, industry advice or somebody who's uh, been there and done that before. Um, most, I mean, certainly if you're having you know personnel issues, then that that mm-hmm. I could see that being instructive um, and helpful. I would not recommend having a a board or an objective third party mm-hmm. to offer um, to offer product, uh, mm-hmm. you know, product guidance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, you know, 
uh, yeah. unless they're heavily involved in the in product mm-hmm. research, and I can see the whole picture. Yeah. So, so we have all this, and we have this great team, and we have this great product, and everything. <laughs> How do you know when it's time to scale up? Because that's also one of the killers. Okay, scaling up too soon or scaling up too late. Is yeah. there any best practices on that? Well, I think I think you should have, uh, you know. A vision for this when you initially start off the, mm-hmm. you know, start the business, which is to say, is is our objective to to create some traction and to start to move toward profitability, so that when we do see that fit happen, we are ready to like, as you say, scale it up. And what what mm-hmm. would that mean? Raising some capital to you know pour yeah. into marketing and hire more hire more meet more team members, um, definitely, um, or you know, is your vision from the beginning, we are going to grow this business incrementally. Um, and uh, and so there's not going to be this decision point in the future where we say, okay, now, you know, click, boom, it's time to scale. And so let's raise money and pour a ton of money into marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, because I think that, uh, I think that as often as, as not, you know, that, that decision, you know, um, mm-hmm. destroys destroys startups, destroys the product, destroys the culture, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying we are going to, you know, achieve, we are going to be profitable. And as we gain, you know, as we, you know, collect those profits, mm-hmm. we're going to continue to reinvest in the business right. and hire, you know, one and two yep. marketing people at a time and not 15. Yeah. Good. So we're, we're to Brian, we're getting, this has been greatly interesting. We're getting towards the end of the show. So I'd, I'd like to, in closing, hear three tips from you the most critical we have a lot of listeners up there out here who've been thinking about startups some of them may be technical some of them may be the donut local donut because that's happening all across the world now um, with the shift in employment and and the shift in in people starting businesses so if you had three critical tips for those wanting to do a startup and that really contribute to success what would those be Mm-hmm. So the first one is to have your have a customer in mind, um, like not not a not a persona, not a demographic. You know, forty five year old you know educators who drive whatever, um, an actual person with a name and an email address and a phone number. Um, have a customer in mind, and that that applies whether you're opening the donut shop or starting starting a, a tech tech business. Mm-hmm. Um, have that person in mind. Get in touch with them and start building something to and for them. Mm-hmm. Um, second is to have some have some margin, um, financial, mental, and emotional. I I think I really believe that the whole the the just go for it um, mentality and and message for entrepreneurs and and startups is on balance bad. Um, mm-hmm. I would say don't just go for it. Um, I would say plan for it. And so you believe in yourself, believe in you know your vision um, and and dream. Those are all fantastic characteristics that entrepreneurs have um but without a bit of margin you're more likely to to run out of run out of steam at some point because <laughs> the va- the valleys are going yeah. to happen it's not a matter of if but when and finally um i would you know uh, approach it with small iterations instead of the big splashy launch you know big big splashy launches uh tend to come and go and then you know in the in the aftermath um, you know, you, you're kind of staring backwards at a bunch of noise as opposed to um, launching slowly and making small iterations along the way. You get a lot more signal from your market um, than, than with the big splash. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those are great. So that's customer building for your customer. Get that. I liked, I liked how you put the margins in there, emotional as well as financial and um, the small iterations, you're kind of saying step by step and plan yes. by plan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. And that's really important. Okay. So, Brian, we're getting towards the end, and I want to thank you so much. This has been really, really great. Um, and just in, in one last question, question, would you recommend this? I mean, you're an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> you know, would you say, go, you know. Look into it. Be an entrepreneur. Do you have to have a certain personality? <laughs> oh man, it depends. It depends on the day. And my my wife would be <laughs> laughing her head off right now. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would I would say if you if you feel like you are a creative person at heart, um, and if you have some degree of tolerance for risk, and 
if uh, if you have the sense that you know your the total value that you bring to a company is never going to be fully realized in any given role, then yeah, you're probably an entrepreneur. Okay. Great. And so um, thank you so much, Brian. So thanks for the encouragement and the, the three tips, critical tips, uh, build for the customer, have some margin and take kind of small interim steps. Those are great takeaways. And for our listeners, we have been talking with Brian Ray and Brian Ray is an entrepreneur and strategist with a background in software design and development. He's been an executive member of venture-backed startups. Some have that have succeeded and some that have not. He believes there are lessons in both success and failure. And that's what Brian shared with us today. And thank you so much again for sharing with that with us today. Now, if our listeners want to reach out to Brian, please reach out to Brian on brianray.com. And that is R-H-E-A. And he's also on social media on Twitter under B Ray and on LinkedIn under Brian Ray. And you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice American Station. Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and CINDA, the Search and Information Industry Association of Europe. CINDA is a also has a startup accelerator that helps startups in front of possible investors. You can go to the Cinda website, www.cinda.com, under Startup Accelerator for more information. Cinda also holds conferences, and the next conference is April 10th to 12th in London at the Hilton Paddington. And if you are a European startup, you can send us a mail to info at cinda.com and possibly get a place to present your business in front of potential investors. You can also become part of the conference and hear digital experts from around the world. And you can do that under www.cinda.com slash events. At Leadership Beyond Borders, we provide leadership training with a focus on digital transition and digital agencies, and we have the Women's Leadership Academy 2020, which specializes in diversity and C-level development for women. If you'd like to contact me, your host, Kimberly Lewis, please send me a mail at leadershipbeyondborders.com. Visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net. Join us on Facebook under Follow Cinda. On also under Kimberly Lewis on Facebook. And please tune in to us each week. Download us on iTunes and Google Play. And we are live each week, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And with that, I am going to sign off for this week and tune in to us next week. And Brian, once again, thank you very much. Goodbye to our listeners until next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.